The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by an Impact Fee technician who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome back to the show, Karina Maybe. Hey yo. How's it going, Cripple Neck? Fuck you. That's how we're going to start this episode today. Big ol' fuck you. Yeah, I can't, can't move to the right. Can't really look up to the left. It's all gravy, baby. Always fun when you wake up like that. Oh, what have I done? I just slipped. Yeah, and, and it was bad yesterday specifically because I didn't realize it until I went to go answer my work phone and just involuntarily went, whoo, and then I was like, ah! Yep, that's no good. Yeah, no. Hopefully it heals up soon. Yeah, it'd be cool. I don't, I don't like feeling as old as you look, so. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Crippled Karina is spicy. It's got very, very antagonistic very quickly, which I guess is kind of fitting with the episode of The Last of Us that we're about to dive into. So we're back again. Channeling Ellie. That's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm just going to channel my other Ellie. That's fair. So we're back again this week for another episode of our review series of The Last of Us HBO show. Today we're looking at episode 8, which during this episode we see our two main characters separated for the first time since they came together. And whilst apart, Ellie is attempting to support Joel during his recovery and healing process, but along the way she encounters an enemy that is even scarier than the infected. So uh, before we dive in and break down the whole episode, what did you think of episode eight? This was a great episode for me. Um, I feel like Ellie really got her shining moment um, in this episode. She really took hold of her character and she really was able to show Joel just what she can do even when he's not able to help her very much. So I think it was a really great episode all around for character development and just to show everybody how far she's come as a character in the story. Yeah, I think it's a great one to show yeah, her progression and her capabilities as well because up until this point, like, we've seen glimpses of her being able to sort of look after herself, but this episode, like I said, because they are separated for the first time since they came together, she literally has to do everything herself. She has no other option, and you can see that she's picked up a few things here and there from Joel, but now that she's out, she just has to go along and deal with yeah like I said the scariest enemies and foes that I think you could have in this show like we've seen what regular infected clickers which then ramped it up another level the bloater which took it Mm. up even higher oh yeah the like raiders hunters things in Kansas City but all Mm -hmm. of those pale in comparison to David who were introduced in this episode yeah he's a he's a bit of a psycho just a teeny bit of a psycho. Yeah. And yeah, just 
a real gross character. Like he comes across as trying to be all high and mighty religious preacher, but eventually mm-hmm. we start to see. Uh, I'm thinking he's just kind of using this whole global outbreak as a way to mm-hmm. justify his psychotic behavior. That I kind of get the sense that he may have done some bad stuff pre-outbreak, and now he just is able to do it freely, and no one kind of questions it. Yeah, like the like every time this character comes up, I just call him the preacher dude because I always forget his name. But in reality, he's more like a cult leader. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, depending on who you talk to, it's probably much the same thing, but, um, um, yeah, he's just an all around really shit person. And, um, I wasn't expecting this kind of a character, I guess, although I probably should have, cause everything's getting thrown at us in this series. So why not add in some psychopath while you're at it? Yeah. And like, like I said, I, I kind of get the sense that he was maybe perhaps a serial killer or even worse, like. A rapist pre-outbreak? Yeah, something like that. Some some bad juju about him. So as we sort of dive into him a bit more, like we said, he's kind of running this weird religious cult in uh, Silver Lake, and he uses the Book of Revelations uh, 21 to kind of justify his whole mantra, which is all about a new heaven and a new earth after basically everything being wiped out, which, yeah, it seems like that's kind of how all cults come about. They find one small passage in the Bible or whatever uh, religious text that they want to use, and then that, it, however that fits into their idea, then that's what we'll run with. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a true example of every cult in history, probably. We're also introduced to his sidekick, uh, James, who is played by Troy Baker. Which is so cool to see him in this role because he is the actor that played Joel in the game. Oh, that's who. Okay. I knew that that guy had a role in the show. Everybody was telling me that he was going to be in this show. I didn't know where he was going to pop up, but that's really cool to know that he is involved in a very odd role compared to what he played in the game. Yeah. I think apart from Merle Dandridge, they've all kind of come back and They've got all the core characters from the game into this show, which I think is a, mm-hmm. a great like nod to the work that they did in this game and making it so special to then have them included in this show on a, a grander scale and perhaps can see them break out and do more TV and film roles rather than just game roles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a totally different role for him compared to the kind of heroic Joel to sleazy scumbag that wants to kill a child at one point yeah like what the fuck man what who didn't hug you enough that's what i want to know <laughs> and i love that yeah he gets as soon as he's introduced he's not like brushed off we get a nice extended scene with him talking to david and about their food supplies and keeping the faith yeah, i thought it was a really sad but and pained performance but also one where they're just like this is the bad shit we've got to do now to survive yeah, essentially, and it's, I mean, it's a bit extreme. I'm sure there's other ways they could have gone about their things, but when you start out bad, you just continue down that path. Mm-hmm. And yet it's cool that he has, like, a, a significant role in this episode and a very memorable ending as well. Yes, 100%. After we're introduced to uh, James, Troy, 
and David. Uh, we then jump back to Ellie and see her caring for Joel and that wound. The makeup department deserve all the praise on that because that looked nasty. Yeah, it looked so good. I mean, like from a makeup perspective, it looked so phenomenal. Like all the awards to all the special effects artists that are working on this show because they've done a phenomenal job with things. Yeah, like it wasn't over the top in terms of like Mm-mm. making it look infected, like making it a weird like green color, but it was definitely like looked really infected and swollen because it was like all red and pussy and kind of off color, but not crazy <laughs> off color. Like it was just like, yeah, that looks yeah. like it would. I would expect it to look in as very real, gross. I wouldn't want to be touching that or dealing with the infection coming out of that. No, yeah, 100%. And we also find out that they have very limited food and Ellie's kind of like giving Joel the last little bits of rations that they have and she decides I'm going to have to go and hunt and find something because he's not getting better anytime quick and she looks gravely concerned in that moment as well. Like, I, I don't know what to do at this moment. Yeah, I think she's going in her head. She's probably thinking like worst case scenario, you know, what happens if the worst happens? What what happens with me? Where do I go? She's probably just got like a lot of things going on. So I don't even know how she was able to keep it together, really, given the circumstances. Especially because Joel is like the guiding force. Like if he dies, she has no concept of where things are and like, what direction do I even head in to get to the next place that I need to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really like rough situation that she's put into. Um, and I think she's kind of realizing that. And that's what's making her panic more to try and push herself to venture out and figure out how she's going to essentially help Joel survive this. And as part of that, she decides to head out on a, a hunting trip. And just like in the game, when you this is the first time you actually like play directly as Ellie I'm pretty certain from Mm. memory like you'd usually just play as Joel and then this is like the moment where it switches you across and you have to play as Ellie Mm. and as you as you go out on the hunting trip you are chasing this rabbit and you trip over the branch and I love that they kept that in the game in the show from the game as well yeah no that's a great thing because it just it it adds to that whole like reality feel of the show and the game of yeah, if you're running through the woods, you're probably going to trip over some shit if you're not looking. Especially because she's not, like, an experienced hunter. So she's... Right, yeah. She, yeah, she chases after this rabbit, which I guess if you're an experienced hunter, you you're not going to do because you're not going to catch a rabbit. It's going to outpace you no matter what. Yeah, usually they just set out traps for the little things. Yeah, or, or you stumble across one and go, oh, I'm going to just stand still, be real quiet, and shoot this from a distance. Yeah. And after she trips, she then looks up and sees a deer and sort of decides, okay, I'm going to shift my focus to this deer. And we get to see that Ellie has significantly improved her shooting and manages to hit this deer first shot. Yeah, I was kind of proud of her that she was able to do that. I mean, you know, like out of necessity and stuff like that, but she has gotten a lot better. So I felt like if she ever came across some like really bad scenarios, she might have a chance at this point. Mm -hmm to at least get herself out of a little bit of a hole. But the deer doesn't like immediately drop as expected, kind of when you hunt any sort of any animal of that sort of size, you shoot them, they take off, and then you've got to go find them. Mm-hmm. So Ellie begins searching for them, but David and James find the deer first. And I love that Ellie comes in 
and tries to be really intimidating to to claim the kill. Yeah. Like I'm from a larger group, put the the gun down, step back, and they they both look at it like, yeah, okay. Are we really that scared of you? But they also <laughs> kind of capitulate and do as she says because yeah, she has a rifle trained on one of them. So okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had some balls, like to just bluntly be like, uh, yeah, no, no, that's mine. I have other people back there. <laughs> that shows the desperation too, because I think previously Ellie would have just seen those people and like Joel just been like, it's not worth it. Like, let's just avoid this situation. Yeah. But because of the dire straits that Joel is in, she, okay, I have to, I have to do this and confront these two people. Yeah, no, it's a really, that's, that was like the first moment where I feel like she really, um, kind of embodied Joel for a little bit and didn't really take any shit. She was like, well, I've been learning from him. I'm just going to follow his lead and what, you know, he would do in a almost kind of situation of a shootout. <laughs> and I love that David goes sort of full preacher mode as he tries to talk Ellie down as well. And she's just not having any part of it. So he offers a trade and he, he like I said, he comes across as a really good guy in this moment, but you can tell that Ellie is still uneasy with him yeah she lets her guard down when she asks for the medicine though and i think that's when david and james switch and go okay we can we can take advantage of this situation yeah she was really like hesitant she had her guard up you know she seemed like she was seen through his bullshit but then like when they mentioned the medicine i think her emotions got the best of her especially knowing that joel needs medication and so that kind of let her guard down and made her really vulnerable yeah, and I thought the delivery of Do You Have Medicine was perfectly done by Bella Ramsey because, yeah, that, that desperation really does come through in the delivery of that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she was phenomenal, and, and especially in this episode, she just, she's been progressively being more um, impressive to me as Ellie um, with each episode and the character developing more. She seems very um, on point with that. Yeah, like I said in our early reviews, I, when I originally saw the casting, wasn't 100% sold on her as Ellie, but as the series mm. goes on, she just, she embodies that she role now, like, like we said, I think in the last episode, nobody else could be in this role. I could not see anybody else taking this role now. No. Mm-mm. During that whole confrontation with David, I think that was where I noticed that and picked up that David kind of only found religion after the outbreak and kind of as an opportunistic moment where he was like, I can use this as a way to get ahead in this crazy world that we're in now. And he mentions that he's originally from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was just like, there's something so off about this guy the whole time. Yeah, well, I think people that are probably like him – um, they feed on people's emotions and during a time of need, everybody kind of looks for that one thing that they can hold on to. And most people do end up going to like a religious side of that thing. So when he's like seeing that as an opportunity, he really was able to kind of gather his followers, if you want to call them that, and really kind of um, play to their emotions with that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think Nelson Lees plays this character so well because yeah, like I said, he's he comes across as a good guy at moments, but Underneath it, you still see that sort of slimy something sus about this guy, and the performance was great. Yeah, 100%. We also learn in that moment that the guy that 
Ellie and Joel killed back at the university was a member of David's group, mm-hmm. that's when it's like, uh-oh, Ellie has stumbled herself into a very dangerous situation that is a lot more dangerous than it, like, it already seemed a bit suspect. Mm-hmm. But once we learn that info, it just ratchets up that, uh-oh, this is very, very bad now. Yeah, it's definitely, it went from an oh shit moment to a oh, oh shit. <laughs> it gets even worse when James returns from collecting the medical supplies, but has managed to sneak up on Ellie, has a gun on her, and he seems way more vengeful than David as well, which is a little bit weird. Yeah, but I guess, I mean, maybe that's like a thing with henchmen, like you see that where, you know, they're always seeming, they always seem a little bit more of a vengeful than the actual, like, villain. Yeah, like, the henchman doesn't see the grand plan, like when David lets Ellie leave, Mm -hmm. he questions it, James goes, why are we letting her go? Like, she killed our guy. Yeah. And why are we letting her go? But He's just in the moment. But David, yeah, sees this grand plan of, uh, she wasn't alone. We have to find the other guy too. Yeah, because he's the one that they really want, since he's the one who kind of made everything go to shit for them. Mm-hmm. So as Ellie run, leaves and runs back to Joel, she administers the penicillin injection. Again, very squeamish, gross looking. Oh, that was a rough scene. I still am not sure that's how you would administer penicillin in that situation. I don't think you needed to squirt it in the actual in wound. You just have to get it in the bloodstream, like, yeah. get it in a vein, like... I guess she doesn't know that, so she just... She just does what she thinks she needs to do. Needle directly into the wound. I was like, oh my god, Ellie. If he wasn't passed out, he is now. That's like the same sense of what she had with Sam and, like, trying to give him, like, her blood by just, like swooshing it on his like wound yeah and then it not working very like naive yeah like this has this should work here's a band-aid that'll do situation like yeah no that's not how you fix this sort of thing so nope and then we get to see her yeah lay beside him and cuddle up to him again and show that sort of affection and deep caring like i i hope this works Mm -hmm. then we return back to uh, David's group and find out that they're sort of running out of canned food, but they have a decent supply of venison. Did you sort of start to suspect something when they bring in that plate and the lady asks, what is it? I really didn't want to suspect that, but I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, I guess. And, you know, there's been multiple movies where it's been that kind of situation and that's what they've resulted to. So I'm like, all right, well, that makes sense in this kind of a game slash show that that would eventually happen. I like that they kind of, they subtly put that idea in your head to make you question the meat, but don't flat out say that it's not mm-hmm. like animal immediately. They just, yeah, let's just subtly put this in there and let you contemplate of how bad these people are. Yeah. I mean, cause if you, if you don't know any better or you're just like a really naive person, you're in the woods. You're going to think, okay, yeah, they're coming across deer. I mean, there's, there's a ton of wild animals. So it's not completely nuts to think that it could be anything else. But And I guess that's what most of his group appear to think. Like they, yeah. Especially when we, we see them eating. There's some people that are just shoveling it down, not concerned at all. It's like, mm, you probably should be a little bit more concerned about what you're eating at the moment. Yeah, it's. 
it reminded me of like in Walking Dead where they're like eating people too on occasion mm-hmm. and they don't know if they're infected or not. So that would have gone through in my head too. Like, am I eating an infected person? Oh, very gross. And we get to see David sort of give a speech about what his grand plan with letting Ellie go is and saying that they're going to send out a group in the morning to bring them to justice. And there's a small girl that pipes up and says that, no, they shouldn't be brought to justice. They should just both be killed. And then this is where David shows his like kind of evil side where he walks up and just slaps this, slaps down this little girl like super hard. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah, I really wasn't expecting that. Like, that really took me by surprise. Like, I had a feeling he was a shit person, but good God, he's just like, with not, without even thinking, like, okay. That moment confirms it. Yeah, signed, sealed, and delivered. Like, you were an ass. And then he gives the gross line of, uh, you still have a father. And, like, he kind of feels that he's that role now and she should respect him. And I think kind of everybody in the room goes, like, yeah. But nobody's game to stand up and say anything. Yeah, because he just smacked a little kid. Like, what's next? You're going to, like, stab me or something? And they, I don't know. And then we, we see them eating, like I said, most of them just shoveling it down because it's... It's food. Especially the portions as well. Like, most of them don't get a lot. But then you see David's plate and it's, like, stacked full of food. And, like, well, that's a bit shit. Yeah, like, way to take care of your people, buddy. Yeah, again, him taking advantage of the situation, not... Mm-hmm. Not being like a true leader and just everybody's even. Like we got back at Tommy's commune camp, like everybody's on an equal level. There was clearly a I'm the top, you all follow me, you all obey me situation and yeah. I get as much food as I want, everyone else gets whatever's left. Yeah, and we see how well that works for every situation. So after that moment where we find out that David is a shit human being, we jump back to Ellie and see her still being concerned for Joel. She administers more penicillin in another gross way, same way, decides that she's going to head out to collect some snow for the horse, which she's keeping in the garage like it's a car. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a cute thing. Yeah, it's kind of like an interesting stable. The horse is just standing there like, uh, okay. It would only be funnier if that horse was a Mustang because then she could kind of just keep the Mustang in the garage like it's a prized possession. Oh my god, you're a fool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Yep, good. You're welcome. I haven't pulled a a good one in a while, but there you go. So while Ellie's out gathering some snow, she's alerted to some danger as the birds, like, scatter. Uh, We find out that it's, it's David's group, and we hear James, again, express how vengeful he is and says he doesn't want to bring Ellie back to the group because she's just another mouth to feed. And David kind of says, no, we're going to bring her back. And like, what are we supposed to do? We just kill the guy and leave her out here to die. And James, really callous and heartless, just goes, well, that's just God's will. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I thought David was shit, but James, you're worse. Yeah, no, they're, yeah. Oh, boy. So Ellie runs back, tries valiantly to wake Joel up, but to no success, so she decides, here's a knife. If anyone comes down here, you kill them. And then she leaves, barricades up the basement, jumps on the horse and tries to lead David's group away from the house. And then James, being a jerk, shoots the horse, kills the horse, and then runs over. And initially he, he's going to shoot her. 
Yes. And then... And then he gets stopped, right? Yeah, David has to come in and be like, no. And, like, all the henchmen are there happy watching James and like, yeah, go ahead, kill her. But David has to step in. It's like, oh. Yeah, and then they all just kind of look at David like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, they still don't get it at all. So then uh, David and one of the other guys, or two of the other guys, they uh, drag Ellie and the horse back to their camp. But three men continue the search for Joel so that they can get their vengeance, which I guess is David's way of just like appeasing them and getting it out of their system. So he's just like, we'll take this. We can deal with the girl and the horse. You go and get whatever weird vengeance you need. And they find the house containing Joel. And one of the guys realizes that the bookshelf cabinet thing that Ellie has put against the door is against the door because it's like this far off yeah. the wall. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. She tried. I give her an A for effort. She really did try her hardest. So then the guy enters the basement, but Joel is not on the mattress. What, did, what were you thinking in that moment? I, I was really hopeful. I was like, oh, man, he's made a full recovery. But then another side of me was just like, all right, he's doing that whole entire, I'm really screwed right now. Let me try and hide moment. He's hiding in the shadows. He pops out and stabs the henchman in the neck. And this is where we get, I feel like this was the most violent part that we've seen in the show so far because that gurgling noise that he makes as he's dying. Oh God. Was sickening. So grody. Oh, it was so grody. Like, ugh. I mean, get on Joel for stabbing him the right way, but oof. And that gurgling noise is another one that's like pulled pretty much directly from the games. It's like, yeah, I remember that noise every time you stabbed a henchman, like snuck up behind them and stabbed them in the neck. It wasn't like a normal, like, quiet stab, stab, dead. Yeah, no. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Easily the most visceral and intimate portrayal of violence that we've seen on the show so far. And yeah, very full on. Another well-executed one, though, with the special effects team, because it looked really great. So then we jump back to Ellie. We see her in a cage. It's like, oh, no, this is a very bad situation. But David kind of is talking to her and says that he's afraid of Ellie because she's dangerous. And I'm like, I'm not 100% believing this. But Ellie's continuing to be defiant and in much the same way that she was in episode one when we first meet her. Mm-hmm. And I love that she's never lost that. She just continuously has that going with her every time she comes across a new person. And in that moment is also where David becomes a lot more sinister because he basically says to her, like, you comply and join our group or I'm just going to kill you and do whatever I want. It's like, whoa. Yeah, definitely um, getting worse as a, as a human as the episode progressed. You just like end up hating him way more. And yeah, I think it was in this speech where I started to think like, I think this guy might've been like serial killer or a rapist or something in, in a pre-outbreak life. So I was just like, you yeah, know, there's, he's definitely bad. This guy needs to go. Yeah. Hundred percent, like as fast as possible. Please get rid of him. Uh, and then we switch back to uh, Joel, who has captured the second and third henchmen, and he's he's torturing one to get the location of the settlement by threatening to pop mm -hmm. the guy's kneecap off with his knife. It's that uh, that survival instinct in him, I think. That was another moment. Where I was like, "Oh, this is gross. This is easily the most violent episode." Yeah, no, it was very uh, full on. <laughs> uh, so then he uses his uh, same map trick 
from episode six where he makes one of the guys point to the location of their settlement, but then it's not necessary to get the other guy's opinion. So he just stabs the first one in the the chest and the second guy's like, why did you do that? He told you where we were. And Joel just says, that's okay. I believed him. He had no reason to lie to me at that point. So then he goes and smashes the second guy's head in with a pipe. Whoa, Joel is serious right now. I mean, I guess in his head though, you know, if he didn't get rid of them, they probably would have just come after him after they had a few minutes to like recover or try to mm. recover. So better get rid of them now before anything else happens. And in Joel's mind, Ellie's gone. She might, they might've killed her. They, mm-hmm. Anything could be happening to her. So he, he's not messing around at this point. He's on a, a war path. Absolutely. Yeah. You can tell like his, his dad instincts are almost kicking back in. Like, where's my kid? Mm-hmm. Let me go find her. Yeah, any parent is going to go on a war path in that moment mm-hmm. where their kid's gone. These guys are running around with guns yeah. and knives. Like I'm not messing about. No. Yeah. Where's my kid? We jump back again to Ellie. There's a lot of sort of jumping in this episode, but I think it works really well to mm-hmm. keep the pacing nice and high with action scene after action scene after action scene. Yeah, 100%. And it's not like it's um, crazy jumping as far as like either timelines or areas for that matter. It's all in the same general vicinity for the most part. Uh, so yeah, we go back. Ellie's attempting to like undo parts of the cage and see if she can get out the window, but she can't and at this point she realizes and gets the confirmation that we kind of had from earlier that these people are cannibals because she spots an ear on the floor under the butcher's table and the terror in her eyes palpable you're like oh yep she's she's terrified at this moment yeah no it was a crazy kind of sequence like i can't imagine being held captive and then finding body parts randomly like while you're just trying to find an escape route you're like Oh yeah, there's there's an ear and oh that might be a toe or finger or something. Yeah, like it goes from I don't really want to die, like I'm scared of dying to okay, now I'm mm-hmm. even more scared of these people because they have clearly killed people before and they don't care about anything. Like they're just looking out for themselves mm-hmm. no matter what. Absolutely. So then she lashes out at David and calls him out on being a cannibal and he tells us that only a few people in the group know, so I'm assuming it's people like James and the, the couple of henchmen. I was like, these people are messed up that they're all willing to go along with this. And David also says that Ellie reminds him of himself. She's a natural leader. She's smart, loyal, and violent. You have no idea, bro. Yeah, no. <laughs> I feel like Ellie is uh, actually probably better than him because she's smarter at doing things like if she wanted to get away with something she could and she'd do it better and what did you think of david kind of justifying his violence by saying cordyceps itself is inherently violent because it does whatever it takes to replicate and protect its children and then it also carries on the theme of he says it loves like it wants to protect people that it loves i don't know how i feel about this justification yeah, no, that's like a total thing that like a sociopath would say, like trying to justify their actions by finding something that's, you know, also bad, but not nearly as bad as they are, like bad in different ways. You can't compare. It's not apples to apples at that point. Yeah, you can't compare like... A disease or something to a person. Yeah, a non-sentient fungus to a human being that is supposed to have emotions, morality, 
and empathy. Yeah, no, it just doesn't work like that, buddy. And then David says he wants to be an equal with Ellie and become a friend. And we get more of this like gross, sickening sexual tension between given off from him towards Ellie. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, he was so gross. Yeah, he's like that creepy uncle vibe, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's exactly what it comes off as, is the creepy uncle vibe that, like, nobody wants to be near or anything like that. Especially, like, she's a 14-year-old girl, and he's clearly quite old. He's 50s? Yeah, he's like, him and Joel are the same age, pretty much, or close to it. They gotta be. <laughs> yeah, so extra gross. and That's gross. I love that Ellie lashes out and breaks his finger and then drops the old sea mm-hmm. bomb. I imagine that that moment hit you pretty hard because that's a normal word here in Australia and not so much over there. Yeah, no, I've, I had to adapt to that. Like I've had to become almost numb to that because I know that's like a normal thing over, over with you. So I heard it a lot, I think, when I was over there. But then when I came back here, it's like, that's like a, a rough word. Like you don't ever use that with somebody unless you've really got, a, got it out for them, really. Especially coming from a 14-year-old girl as well. Yeah, like the only thing I could compare it to is like watching Game of Thrones and hearing it get thrown around every now and then. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, for that to come out of, of Ellie and something so tiny, it was just like, oh shit. Yeah, she's, she's very angry at this guy and he, he goes to leave and I love that she just yells out to him, uh, tell them that Ellie, because he's, he's asking her name, she refuses to tell it. And then as he's leaving, she goes, tell them Ellie is the little girl who broke your fucking finger. Oh, yeah, she's defiant (laughs) until the very end. It was so great. Yeah, no, she was so great in that. Like, that was, like, her whole ha-ha moment, I think, towards him, like, the big old fuck you. Uh, And then we go back to Joel, who's still on the search for Ellie, and he makes his way to the Silver Lake uh, Resort and discovers Ellie's bag, uh, the dead horse, and then a whole bunch of bodies hanging in the shed and... This moment really intensifies the dread and sense of we need to be in a hurry here and find her. Is she still alive? Um, And I think the music in this moment was perfectly done to draw out that emotion even more because, yeah, it it just makes you get that sinking feeling in your stomach. Yeah, because the severity of the situation has gotten even worse now. Like when you think it's bad, it just got even worse now that you're realizing it. Like, this is not, nowhere near can these people be good at all. Yeah, like, I think just finding the bag and the horse would have made him concerned. But then to see, like, the three or four skinned bodies, like, hanging like you would with beef or... Dried meat. It's like drying out meat almost, yeah. Yeah, draining all the blood out of it. It's like, oh, God, this is, Mm -hmm. these are bad, very bad people. Bad people, yeah. Now that we have that dread ramped up to... Pretty much the maximum. We go back to Jay, David and James as they drag Ellie out of the cage and she's still continuing to fight and <laughs> bites David in the process, which I thought was so, so smart from her to just let's bite him and then try and use this infection idea as a way to protect herself, which she does after they chuck her on the butcher's table and she forces them to stop, like, stop, 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 I'm infected and then you can see the panic in both of their eyes at that moment when they look at her arm and see the scarred up cordyceps. 
Yeah, I know. That was such a great moment. I absolutely loved that entire sequence. Like, I I mean, if I had been in her situation, I probably would have done the same damn thing. Like, let me scare the living shit out of you, buddy. Did you think that perhaps she could, like, infect people in that way? Even though she's immune, does she still, like, carry the, the fungus at all? I don't know. That's a really interesting thing to, like, want to maybe, like, explore and see if that could have been a possibility and like you know if that could have been a storyline that they just decided to like axe or something like that in the game but like that would have been a really interesting twist on if she wanted to she could technically infect people yeah i think i don't think she can but i think yeah that would be a cool concept but would also make like a vaccine solution harder too because she's mm -hmm. not like killing it she's just not being overcome by it so i think yeah for the vaccine option to be a possibility, they have to make it so that, yeah, it, it dies as soon as it enters her, essentially. Yeah. And then we get the cool send-off moment for Troy Baker that I mentioned earlier where Ellie grabs the cleaver that has been slammed down next to her head in a very terrifying fashion. That was very close. Yeah, it was. So she, she pulls that apart and drives it into Troy's neck, which... Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. Again, shows the incredible violence of this episode. It was gross. I loved it though. She was, she was such a badass in that scene. I think that's really where she like earned her stripes. Was, all right, this is this is the moment. I've got to. I'm either gonna get killed or kill someone. So let me do it. And yes, yeah, she she doesn't hesitate in that moment. She just grabs it, swings, absolutely destroys him. And I'm so happy that Troy got a significant role that isn't just like. A passing cameo like mm -hmm. did you see the uncharted movie i did see it um i don't know anything about uncharted but i know that like the guy who played the voice of the main character had a very brief brief cameo yeah so in that one nolan north gets a cameo at the very end on the beach as like yeah that's what it was the beach yeah scene. tom holland washes up on the beach and nolan says mm -hmm. well it looks like you've had a rough day and Tom Holland explains what happened. He goes, oh, yeah, I had something like that once. And that's the extent of the cameo, which is cool, like, as a nice yeah. little Easter egg, but not, like, a very significant part. Whereas in oh. this, Troy gets a very significant role, gets to be in the show, like, throughout the length of the episode, and then gets this really memorable send-off as well. Yeah, it's great when they're able to, to do that and kind of work with that. Um, versus just a small little like five minutes of whatever TV time that they could get. Um, so I'm really happy that they were able to, to really incorporate him into that because he was such a he's such a vital part of the game. I mean, without him, there would be no Joel, mm -hmm. essentially. So. And I've, I've heard a few interviews with him too, talking about Pedro's performance. And he's, he's so happy with the way Pedro has taken Joel and added his own flavor to it. And Troy said, I've learned things about Joel from Pedro, which is pretty crazy to think. Like this guy that has played Joel in two major games is still learning things about the mm. character from somebody else's interpretation of his character. Yeah, that's a crazy thing to say. And that's, that's going to be really humbling for um, Pedro to actually hear from the original Joel just because it's such a big, like I, I think Pedro had that whole entire concept of these are some big ass shoes to fill. I better do it justice kind of moment. Mm -hmm. So that's a really, that's going to be a great honor for him to hear. So yeah, like that's kind of the, the main 
elements of the cast that have come across, but we still have one more actor to make a cameo, Ashley Birch, uh, who played Ellie in the game. So we've got one more episode for her to pop up and get her cameo, which I'm very excited to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so after Ellie manages to cleave Troy Baker's character down, she escapes, gets out into the, the steakhouse, which is designed and looks exactly like, again, like the game, the same like logo and name of the restaurant, which is very cool. And just like in the game, she's unarmed, so you have to kind of sneak away, which she does, and in doing so, sets the place on fire. How are you feeling at that moment? Whoopsies. Yeah, it was a rough situation. I really was optimistic. I was like, all right, she's going to make a clean break. She's going to get out of here. You know, her and Joel will find each other, and it'll be great. Um, And maybe they'll take down him together. But uh, that's not how that worked at all, because things happen. Life happens. Yeah, so we learned that last of us happens we learn that the doors are locked so she can't just run out and then hope for joel to come in and make make the save she is going to have to kill david herself in order to get the keys to escape and we also hear david talking about he kind of realizes now that she's not infected because someone that was infected Mm -hmm. wouldn't fight so much to stay alive which is very true yeah it is because he's worked that out, all he wants to know is how and why didn't she turn, which, again, makes a lot of sense because in this world, everyone else that has been bitten has turned. So why didn't she? Mm-hmm. How can I potentially use that to my advantage? Yeah, like what is so special about her? And I'm sure that's like driving him even more now to want to not, not kill her, but keep her alive at this point. Like she's valuable now. Oh, yeah, much more valuable than she was beforehand now yeah now she's super valuable um now he's gonna do everything in her power in his power to kind of like sway her maybe or something like that to uh see his ways and yeah like he continues to try to make out that he's a a good man and also says that he wants to be her father which is again really sickening another creepy statement yeah that's uh Gross. I just think of some of the religious cult leaders that have said, like, oh, you're all my children and I'm your father. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. gross. But then we get Ellie finds a steak knife, which makes sense in a steakhouse. They're going to be everywhere. And she, she sneak, sneaks up on David and stabs him. And in that moment, I'm pretty sure we get confirmation that he is definitely a rapist and weird pedophile. Ugh, that, ugh, that character is so cringe. Like, is he that cringy in the game? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good to know that they got that across very well in the, in the show. Yeah, it's, it's the line, the fighting is the part I like the most, was the one where I was like, whoa, yeah, you are, you are very, very bad. Yeah. And uh, we see Ellie is, like, terrified following that line, but she snaps. She goes absolutely ballistic crazy with the, the cleaver, and I was like, oh. So good. This episode was already crazy violent, but this takes it to a whole new level because we're seeing her just wailing on him with a cleaver and the blood like splattering all over her. Okay, yep, he's definitely dead. So justified though. Like that was such a a good kill moment. Like that's the kind of death I needed for that kind of a character, honestly, which is a very gruesome, violent, like you deserve every, every part of this right now, buddy. 
yeah, he couldn't just go out in a nice, quick, easy way. Even, like, I think even burning alive would have been too nice for him. Like, Ellie needed to get that, like, kill moment and just, like, get it out of her system. But when she escapes the steakhouse, we still see that she's clearly traumatized by this whole scenario. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely uh, something that she will have. It's just another thing she's got to be able to work through, I guess, and, and learn how to deal with trauma and all different kinds of aspects and angles. Especially when, like, Joel, they're reunited and Joel, like, grabs her from behind and she is, she freaks out and, like, spins around, like, tries to fight him before she realizes who it is. And I think Joel, in that moment, realizes that something very bad has happened to her while they were apart and he starts trying to comfort her by calling her baby girl and I was like oh yeah the father role is now 100% cemented in Joel and Ellie's relationship yeah absolutely like the papa bear is in full force at that point and he's gonna do everything to just keep her protected now and I'm so glad they ended with them coming back together and then we just leave it there so that she we can sort of give her time to process everything and calm down before we then move on to the season finale episode nine yeah that's a perfect ending to such an intense very intense kind of uh, episode yeah we get that really heartwarming happy ending after a really sinister dark violent episode yeah it's kind of like a a palate cleanser almost <laughs> yeah good to see joe up and about ellie and him back together it's like okay cool we can move on to finish our story now yeah so in terms of the rating for this week's episode where would you come in on this one oh, this is a five for me no no second guesses on that one yeah i think this is this is probably my second favorite episode because it's it's just intense episode three is my favorite like it's a crazy emotional episode right on a happy sort of love story side but then this one is Mm -hmm. just as emotional and impactful but on the like violent scary side yeah i also think this one has like the most character development that we've seen for ellie she's really just come so far and this is just being her uh being able to show just what she can do now since joel's been able to take her under his wing and kind of show her different survival instincts and tactics yeah and it's, it's cool coming so close to the left behind episode as well like we've seen her at the beginning of her, her story and journey, and now we've seen how mm. capable she is towards the end of her journey. Absolutely. Alrighty, thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee, and you can follow me on social media at Jamyups Media and at Pario Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.